Welcome to the free podcast that I aim to entertain, inform and inspire you. If you are already following the podcast, thank you. If you are not, I would really appreciate you clicking that button. It's a small gesture from you, which is a massive gesture for us. Enjoy the episode. I still have a cold and it's not going away. But with that being said, welcome to the Ignition Podcast, the podcast that aims to inspire those who have a passion for cars to do more with that passion. I am to do this by sharing the journeys and stories of the people I find to be an inspiration and whom I wish I had spoken to earlier. I'm very excited to introduce Dan Burge to the podcast. Dan opens up about how his passion started early and how it's always been a contributor to his success and in his career. Dan began in motorsport with the likes of ProDrive, Williams and JRM Motorsport, working his way to do fantastic work with Lotus Engineering, the third party for Lotus and all their amazing products. Taking this forward, he took his love for Lotus and went to H. Radford Coach Building in California. They're doing some amazing stuff over there with the likes of the Lotus Type 62. But now Dan is taking that creativity and mixing it with the future, working with the EVT groups who push electrification forward and explore how he can take EVs further with his determination to take EVs further. This episode is another first for me. It's the chance to interview someone at the forefront of EV technology and who is taking that technology and turning it into something with character because we all know when you get in one of those, whether it be a Tesla, Hyundai or even the new Fords, they lack a bit of character. They lack a bit of oomph. They haven't got that internal combustion engine charm. But I am excited to see what he will do with that. Listen to Dan talk about what it takes to manage people and how he has used his passion for creating winning teams and making the brands that we love even better. Dan, welcome to the podcast. How are we? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. If you're asking, a little question I'd like to start with is what ignited your passion for cars? Wow. Um, I've been a car lover ever since I can remember. Probably about the age of three or four, I was starting to identify cars. I think one of the first cars I really remember seeing and falling in love with was a, an E-Type Jag bright red and uh yeah my, my dad liked cars my dad always worked on cars yeah from the age of probably four i could name you any car on the road from uh, a few hundred yards away and it went from there and whilst the, a, a lot of my friends were reading comics i was reading autocar and uh, and, and knew every stat i knew the not to 16 brake horsepower car of uh, of every car on the market and uh yeah it's just always, always been in me i guess no, I think that's it. It's the way you uh, become the guy that will tell you the 0 to 60, will tell you everything about a car without you even asking. <laughs> yes. And then, um, then sort of on, on, on motorsport, I, I grew up near Silverstone. My, my dad was doing a lot of work up at Silverstone. And yeah, I think I've, I went to nearly every British Grand Prix from 87 to 2000 and something. So, again, touring cars, Formula One, yeah. it's, it's always been in my childhood. So. And what was that like, having a childhood, yeah, surrounded by cars? Is it sort of... Uh, just a, a real interest and passion, and uh, I've always been interested in how things work as well. So it was reading what journalists wrote about particular cars, how they responded to it, and then looking at, well, why is that? Is it because it's, it's rear-wheel drive? Is it because it's lightweight? Is this manufacturer got a reputation for, for this kind of dynamics? I, I really started understanding that as well. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's always just 
in, in cars have always inspired me everything from the, the mechanicals to the, the design i just see them as, as pieces of art mm. and uh yeah my, my bedroom walls were mostly covered with uh, with beautiful cars as they should be as i'll tell be. you what else they were covered with yeah no no i can't <laughs> we can all imagine um yeah, so when you when it came to looking for a job, Dan, what was what was what you looking for? What were you looking for? Was it was it cars, or did you happen to just fall naturally into that? That came a little bit, I say, by by accident. Um, but it, it was something I always wanted to, to work in. Um, actually, my my first holiday job was uh, working at a, a car paint company, and uh, there was some some awesome supercars and. Yeah. Uh, race cars uh, around at the time i think one of the first jobs i was doing was helping repair some uh, subaru rally cars that had had a had some incidents um so yeah that was about the age of 14 i then went on to do a an engineering apprenticeship that wasn't specifically in automotive uh, mechanical engineering yeah. and, and worked for a number of years in, in mechanical engineering more around manufacturing but then i got into product design as well which I, I really enjoyed. And then the opportunity came up, um, just a referral from a friend to, to go and work at ProDrive. Yeah. And um, having grown up in, in that area and seen ProDrive and really um, re- well-respected company, uh, so I, I grabbed the opportunity with, with both hands and, and it really went from there. That was my, my sort of first step into sort of fully automotive, even yeah. though I'd been doing some projects that were for automotive um, in my sort of mechanical engineering past. This was my first full foray into uh, automotive and motorsport. Yeah, it's a quite it's a nice progression going from sort of working on super rally drive cars to then go working at Pro Drive. So what they do with the super yeah, yeah. yeah Impressive. It's quite a nice um, sort of step. And then so you worked at Williams and Jerram as well. So what was what are those atmospheres like? What is the culture like over there? Yeah, so there's a sort of theme, um, partly by chance, but it is a, a great environment to work in with ProDrive, Williams, JRM, and, and even Lotus. It was companies whose heritage is in motorsport, that the sort of passion is in motorsport. And then I was working on predominantly uh, road car projects. So that that motorsport culture, with the, the sort of the, the can-do attitude, not constrained by the the normal automotive processes and there's pros and cons to that but it was uh, very much this, this can do team attitude yeah. um that uh, yeah there's some programs i've worked on that just look back on i think how on earth did we achieve that and it was just that there was, there was 24 hours in a day seven days in a week and in, in motorsport that the race doesn't move um yeah. you can't say sorry, we're not going to be ready this Sunday. Can you move it back a week? Uh, it, it just doesn't happen. So you, you just have to be ready. Um, and, and that culture is, uh, is, is a great one to, to work within. There, there are negatives to it, of course, but uh, there are a lot of positives. And, and yeah, the, the, the team uh, atmosphere and everyone pulling together is, is sort of one of the most memorable. Brilliant. And is there any sort of notes to the young audience listening the sacrifice you you may you've you may have made do you not realize you realize you'd have to make i think family life um but for the younger audience it's not so much of a challenge yet but yeah getting the balance um between sort of family life and, and work life it's uh 
fortunately, my, my wife's always been quite good at reining me in when I when I go too far, um, and we have, we have that honest conversation. But it is very very easy to get fully consumed and, and forget everything else that's going on in your life, particularly when you've got big programs and yeah. um, tight tight deadlines. It, it it does consume you. It can become very stressful. Um, but it, it's it's also very very rewarding and, and a lot of fun. Yeah, because you, um, you took these positions on as is it, was it management, sort of looking at managing people. Was it, and what what was that looking to when you when people aren't, aren't aligned or are aligned? How is that when you're managing people? Yeah, pe- people are difficult. They're, that's the hardest thing to manage. Working with uh, suppliers, managing budgets, it's all um, all pretty straightforward normally. But but mm. people are uh, a, a different uh, different game. And yeah, I, I moved from doing sort of more technical roles into sort of commercial and, um, and management roles uh, quite early on in my career. And it's just getting people engaged and not not everyone will. And, and that, that's the reality of life. Um, everyone's wired slightly differently, but I think if you've got key members of the team that you need to come along, understanding what their motivation is and getting them to understand what you exactly what you need from them and why their role is so important, I think is the, the foundation uh, for, for that healthy working relationship. The, the only time it really, really falls down is when, when someone's got their own political agenda yeah. that uh, is completely non-aligned with yours. And uh, in, that, in that case, they're, they're not the right person that's, uh, to be working on a team. And how easy is it to spot that and sort of negate that early on? It's hard to spot early on. It, it, it takes uh, a period of working with someone to, to really understand uh, are, are they pulling in the same direction as everyone else. And uh, but yeah, you've uh, as soon as you do recognise it, you've you've got to nip it in the bud and, uh, and make changes if need be. And uh, that 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 is the worst part of the job for me has been the the HR side where, where you have to make those tough decisions and the, the life changing decisions for people. Um, and uh, yeah, but you can't avoid those difficult conversations and allow those things to drag on. And if if it's not working, it's not working, and uh, it's got to move forward. Yeah, and speaking of moving forward, so after you left um, sort of JRM, you worked to Nicholas McLaren for a bit. Yeah, I, I was consulting for a number of companies, and that that was uh, I, I look back really fondly on on that period. Predominantly, uh, I was working with Nicholas and McLaren and Potenza, so two quite different companies, but all around powertrain um, and providing consultancy services on sort of strategy and, and business development. So I, I knew the guys from Nicholas and McLaren already. Um, absolutely love those guys, uh, John and Cy. Uh, re- really great company and uh, just really great people to work with. So, yeah, I, I was spending uh, some time with, with those guys understanding what they wanted to do moving forward, using my network to, to help find new yeah. opportunities for them. Um and, and that was great. And uh, similar with, with Potenza, albeit on more um, EV technology. Um, I really enjoyed sort of working with, with Paul and the team there to, to understand how to help them move their, their business forward. And and that, that was great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I intended to carry on with that uh, for, for a bit longer. And uh, I had some more clients coming on board as well. But uh, then, then I got uh, a phone call from someone at Lotus about a new opportunity. That, uh, that I thought, wow, this uh, that kind of opportunity doesn't come up too often. So uh, I had a difficult decision to make then. 
And what what made you make that decision? What was it inside maybe the, the car guy inside you that maybe pushed you forward towards Lotus? Well, one, it, it was it was Lotus. Um, it doesn't get much cooler than that. Um, and I'd, I'd worked um, on a program with Lotus in uh, in my time at Williams. Yeah. And so got to know some of the team there. Uh, got to see how the company was evolving with the Geely investment as well. Um, and going from this real cash-strapped business that it was struggling to move forward to, to big plans and, and really able to execute its vision. And I thought, well, I, I want to be part of that. And I think I can, I can help. Um, so I went in to, to help lead the, uh, the, the third party engineering business, Lotus engineering. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just ticked a, a lot of boxes and I thought I, I can do this. It's, it's a great opportunity for me. It's it was actually my first step into the OEM world as well. Yeah, I've worked in a number of engineering consultancies and motorsport businesses, but this was my first time to go and work for an OEM, which was something I aspired to do. Came close to a couple of times, but never felt it was the right role or the right company. But um, yeah, it, it just felt right with the, the Lotus opportunity, and uh, so so went for it. Fair enough. And um, what were your fondest memories of that? Lotus Engineering was in an interesting position. It was a really strong business uh, from from a heritage perspective. Yeah. It done some of the, the coolest programs. And I look back at stuff like the Lotus Carlton, and it, it's just yeah, super cool. And um, there was some great capability within Group Lotus, but it hadn't been the focus for a number of years. So. There was a, a couple of us joined at a similar time, and we, we had the the rare opportunity in an established business to really sit down and say, "What what do we want to do? Yeah. What are we good at? What do we want to be good at? How do we move that forward? What kind of business do we want to do?" And it's just that complete refresh of, of the business, um, and that went across the the, the marketing to um, the, the structure of the team. And uh, yeah, working with a couple of really good guys, and and we we put that that strategy in into place, and had some big wins um, quite quite early on. Um, some some real good uh, platform partnerships because that's the direction we decided to take the business was to to leverage the the capability around platforms and. and Rather than selling services, let's sell the platform and the services that come with it. Mm. And um, it was just the, the right time for, for the market with the technology we had around us. Bit of a long answer, but in, in summary, it was going in, creating the strategy, executing it, but, but getting um, the, the results quite quickly um, and working yeah. with a, a team of good guys. Perfect. And so it's great when Lotus has been been a real impact on me personally as a, as a car enthusiast. We're loving the, as I mentioned, the cart and the Elise as well. And where do you, how do you think of the, the plans so far for the future? I mean, looking, I'm guessing you're up to date with that. I guess there's a recent shift in, in where Lotus is, is going. Um, and it, it's certainly growing up as a company and a product. And you look at the Amira, um, it's, a, it's a real step on and become such, such a usable luxury sports car now um and with products like the electra it's 
that, that that's the market that that's yeah. the cars that, that that people buy and for for lotus to to grow and thrive it, it has to go into those markets but um the, the key thing is with, with people like um like, like gavin um who are there to make sure the attributes carry forward into those products so yeah it's a big suv it's a it's a battery electric vehicle mm. it's it's not as light as an elise it's never going to be but it'll drive like a lotus because yeah. it's still got that core team of lotus people behind it who will make sure it does yeah um and so i i think as long as lotus is staying true to those values then yeah they're, they're never going to be the, the biggest manufacturer in the world but the, the demand for, for for luxury sports vehicles is is there um and i think that they're going in the right direction uh if ev adoption continues as it as it is at the moment then yeah they're, they're going to have uh some some very successful years ahead no i can't wait to see more 2000 horsepower supercars personally but <laughs> yeah <And laughs> i so- don't know if there's a, a huge market for those but it's um yeah, I, I got to work on, on that program from right at the start. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's fantastic. It's a halo. Uh, it really just shows what, what can be done um, and just puts the brand right up there and uh, also starts to create that association with electric cars that, yeah. that there can be a fun Lotus electric car. Yeah, it's taking heritage from Hot Lotus, you say, and bring it into the future with electricity. And taking heritage brands, um, what attracted you to Radford? Well, that's obviously had links to Lotus, but the the whole thing around creating the niche vehicles that, that don't necessarily have to comply with the, the most stringent um, yeah. homologation requirements globally that aren't as bomb cost sensitive, but you can really make the car that customers want. And uh, it, it was a, a great opportunity from a product and, and a career perspective. So, um, yeah, I just thought that the concept of, of doing homages yeah. and uh, not reinventing the wheel, but adding value where, where you see the value should be added into, into the product. Um, is is really cool and a really great opportunity, and massively in, enjoyed it. It was um, it was hard work, um, extreme hard work, taking um, something and from working in somewhere like Lotus, where there's an engineering team of sort of five or six hundred to yeah. uh, five or to, six, yeah, uh, five yeah. or six people in the company, and sort of wearing multiple hats was uh was challenging um but but yeah you you just have such a, a big effect you can make decisions straight away um there, there's no there's, I, I i was the process um if, if i said it was okay it was okay and uh and, and that's that's refreshing and yeah. fun um there's there's a lot of accountability but um we what we were able to achieve in a very short time with a a, a very very small budget yeah. was uh, was remarkable and um, that's that's another one of those programs that I look back on where I go wow how, how did we actually do that how did we get a car to those events 
how do we sell that many cars when there's just a handful of us um, doing what we think? And it's in a real great affirmation as well. There was, it's a little bit uncharted territory that there's companies like Singer who have sort of created the, the, the resto mod world, but this was a brand new build. Mm. This wasn't um, something that already existed. And it's a little bit quirky, the, 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 uh, the Lotus Type 62. It wasn't a well-known car. And it was a bit of a leap of faith that uh, Mark did a fantastic job on the styling and, and, and that was key, I think, that people fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, and just thought it was beautiful. And, that's, and it's an emotive purchase. No one was going to buy that car because they needed one. No. Um, they're buying it because they want it and it, it's got to strike something. Um, so the, the, the styling and the way that was executed was, was really key. But everything we did in terms of the specification um, around the sort of powertrain, the driveline, the chassis systems, the light weighting strategy. All of that was, well, it wasn't a great benchmark. And you're never going to compete with the latest Ferrari or McLaren. Um, they, they've got huge budgets. They're throwing some, some fantastic technology um, at their, their cars that, that make them so, so, so capable. And you're not going to beat one of those around the Nürburgring. Um, we, we, we just weren't in that place but what we were aiming at is well yeah, we'll make a fast car but actually something that's really analog mm. and I think that's where we, we got it right is, is understanding that yeah the, the people we were going to sell to they've probably got the Vader on they've got the latest Lamborghini yeah. Ferrari McLaren and the next one on order um what can we give them that's different? We're not going to go head-to-head with Ferrari, McLaren, Lamborghini. But we can show them something different. And, and that, that really, really worked. That we could say, when you can have a brand new supercar, it's got 600 horsepower, it weighs 1,000 kilos, um, but it, it's analog. You've yeah. got mechanical limited slip diff. Um, you've got four-way adjustable dampers. You've got no power steering. Um, you've got basic ABS that's switchable, and it's it's, it's you and the car, and uh, that that ticked a lot of boxes for for people in, in the niche world. Um, it is very very niche product, but we were we were looking at selling tens of them, not that tens of thousands. So exactly. it was just finding the, the, those buyers, and that was something that was new for me as well. Is I, I actually sold uh, quite a, a lot of the cars as, as well. So wow. I was getting that, that sort of contact with the buyers, which I'd never had. Um, and quite often in engineering, you don't always get that sort of direct connection with a consumer. So you, you get feedback through other departments, um, but you don't actually meet that, that consumer. Yeah. And they get to tell you what they love about their their Porsche, Ferrari, their their Aston, um, and, and and really download that and, and get the, I guess the, the the voice of the customer, but mm. getting it directly and um, and some absolutely amazing people that I, I met through that, um, people who've been very successful in, in their, their different fields, but most of them um, characters. Um, and, and yeah, just really enjoyed talking cars. And, and sometimes, um, yeah, work doesn't feel like work. And that's, I think, great when it's, it's like that. When, when you're, you're hanging out somewhere, somewhere cool, 
whether it's an event or a racetrack, talking to people about cars. Yeah. You think, well, hang on, I'm, I'm getting paid for this. We're, 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 just, uh, we're, we're just shooting about, uh, it might be damper technology or different types of carbon brakes or, or have you driven this car? And it, it's great. It's, it's sort of what you want to do with your mates down the pub, but it, actually it's, uh, you're doing it for a job. Um, it, it can be very, very um, surreal in a way. But uh, yeah, that's your job. And, and sometimes I meet people and they ask me what you do, and they're like, "Does all that work?" It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's very, it's very, uh, very lucky, and very fulfilling, I guess, to almost pay homage to, to the little guy inside you that was at, was outside Silverstone watching their dad working cars to be able to create a, your own sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. I've loved working in OEMs and bigger engineering consultancies and doing the, the small business as well. And there's, there's, there's pros and cons to all of them, but in the small business, the, the effect you can have on the product and the company is, is very instantaneous and uh, very rewarding. So it's not necessarily been uh, a journey where I started and said, I want to get to, to where I am now. And yeah. I certainly don't want to stop where I am either, but um I've, I've meandered and enjoyed every every step along the way, and, and learned from from every step. And that, that's one thing I could have never um, expected as well. Is some of the stuff I did right right from the the, the start. Yeah. Um, how that will come back to me sometimes. That say, so, well, actually, I remember when I did that project, and I was working with this material. We had this issue, and actually that that might come up again now and I can reflect back on experiences from 20 years ago um, when I was uh, yeah, an engineer working on a, a small program, how, how that experience always sticks with you. And even, even though you think, oh, do, did I really get any value out of that in that period in my career? Yeah, yes, you do. And it's, it's strange. And it's the same with the connections. I talk about the, sort of the, the holiday job I had when I was 14. It's funny, I'm, I'm dealing with that company again. So go. when I start dealing with that company, I connect with the uh, the, the CEO who uh, who remembered me from when I was a, a, a young, spotty teenager. Wow. And <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's the relationships as well. And that that's one thing I, I, I learned is... The, the value of, of relationships mm. and uh, again with the Radford thing there was there were suppliers that I wanted to work with who if I'd have knocked on their door as this small startup company that didn't have any money um no one had really heard of they'd have said yeah sorry we're, we're a bit busy yeah um but because there were people I knew people I worked with where there was uh, the, the the trust um and that uh, a positive working relationship i was able to sort of punch above our weight yeah. um and, and work with some some great great suppliers which meant we could bring some better um components and technology into the car and some some favor some favors along the way to, to help get things done on, on a low budget so that, that's one thing you sort of earlier in life i, I didn't necessarily appreciate is the value of, of relationships because okay. you can't do everything on your own. Yeah. Everything's got to be a collaboration in some form. Um, and uh, 
yeah, I guess as, as, a, as a bit of an entrepreneur, you, you want to leverage um, not just your own assets and capabilities, but, but those that you can access around you. Yeah. Because that's, uh, that's what will create the success. Motorsport, gamers and car enthusiasts alike, Ignition is giving away the chance to win a copy of my favourite racing games, Forza Horizon 5, the Premium Edition or Gran Turismo 7, based on what console you have. The rules for this giveaway are simple. For those looking to get their hands on a copy, go to our Instagram page at we are ignition. That is the we letter R ignition. Give us a follow and find your favourite episode. Tag three friends and comment on the game you want. For an additional entry, see our post about the giveaway and share it on your story. The giveaway starts on Friday the 1st of July and ends on the 30th of July. The giveaway is not endorsed by Spotify or Instagram and is entirely separate from those platforms. All rules and regulations will be on the website. And for further information, check the show notes below. Now, back to the interview. Looking forward with EVT Group, what are you excited about there? What are you looking forward to this with the future? So EVTG is um, really exciting, fairly young business. We're, we're publicly listed and, uh, and, and well-funded to, to execute strategy, which is refreshing. Um, our, um, our mission is to electrify iconic brands. Okay. So I, I enjoy the technology side um, of, of the business. So I've, I've done a, a number of things in electrification and I've got a good, uh, good understanding of technology and, uh, and supply chain. So working with a number of companies to, to access their technology, whether that's through license or acquisition, yeah. and so building up this, this sort of platform and this, this core infrastructure of, of EV technology, which will be everything from a component level to a, a full um, EV platform or okay. multiple EV platforms that we will have. Um, we then have within the group the manufacturing capability, again from component to the finished vehicle. And then the sort of third strand to it is the, the brands. So we are bringing back some some iconic brands that uh, that will work with, with some of this technology. And, and my role as sort of chief product officer is to to find those and bring it together as a, a product that we think consumers will buy, but also yeah. that has a, a business case that works for our, our shareholders and investors. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a quite a unique opportunity again. We're, we're fairly niche on the, on the volumes. Mm-hmm. I think really our, our, um, our target volumes are sort of the 500 to 5,000. Okay. So, so keeping it um, nice and niche and, uh, and creating those, those different products again, not, not the ones that uh, are going to sell to the mass market, but the ones that are going to sell to the enthusiast yeah. who want something a bit more different and uh, a bit more focused. And, and we can have a lot of fun with that. And with some of the brands that we're, we're going to be using and working with, um, it is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to create some very unique uh, products. And it's about creating something that somebody really, really wants. And that's through the design, but also the driving experience. Uh, and we want to make these, these, these vehicles fun. And that, that can be a challenge with EVs. Uh, on, on paper, they're absolutely fantastic. And I'm, I'm guessing you, you've driven a few of the, 
the sort of the modern EVs, and they're extremely capable. And it's almost scary. First few times, yeah, and first few times you you do a, a a sort of a naught to sixty or an Easter an aggressive start, yeah. you think, blimey, that that is impressive. But it's it gets boring quite quickly. Um, there's there's not. I, I don't believe. I don't think there's enough to to excite you in the way there is in sort of conventional sports cars and high performance cars. So it's how can we create that, that experience? How can we put the sort of the, the fun, that real emotive um, experience into EVs? There's a number of things we're working on which are which are really cool, um, and try not to make it synthetic either. Not not playing the sound of a V8 through the through the, the, the sound system. That's that's not where I'm going. But it's how how can we um, make the experience a bit more driver focused? Yeah. And uh, for, again, for the for the niche market. So I mean, I guess you're looking at sort of like throttle mapping and stuff like that, almost with the pedals, or is it just sort of giving the car's character through the looks and stuff? It, it, it's all of it. There, there is a lot we can do through throttle mapping and, and different modes. There's the stuff that we can do for the driveline, the chassis systems. Mm. There is stuff we can do through MVH to create the right noise characteristics. There's certainly stuff we can do from light weighting yeah. um, and distribution of mass to, to create the right experiences. Yeah, and try to keep it as authentic as we can. But there is some technology that we, we can recreate so some uh, some experiences as well, but yeah, it's, it's something I'm, I'm passionate about. That the rest of the group uh, are very passionate about as well. Is creating these unique vehicles that uh, that create a real experience. And it's it's not about being the fastest. It's about having the most fun. And each product we do will have a slightly different experience. Some will be more of a lifestyle. Some will be more of a, a an enthusiast driver experience. Um, so it's going back to what do we think the consumer wants for that product mapping out what we think that that product needs to be and getting that that product profile right at the very very start it's really hard to change once you, you've got down the road and uh, that's that's some lessons learned from some of the programs that i've worked on where you set out down one path and then the change of strategy partway through the program is a real killer yeah. um, particularly for time and budget so it's understanding what what's the the customer requirement, what's the homologation requirement, and uh, get that product profile right from the from the get go. Yeah. Um, and what products are you looking to be excited about? What what brands are you going to bring back? Uh, I wish I could tell you. Oh. Um, it's a uh, it's a little bit early for that, so we'll probably have to have a follow up um, on that because um, yeah, there's a number of acquisitions and. Uh, license agreements that we're, we're going through at the moment that because we're a publicly listed company I, I simply cannot um divulge so um yeah we've, we've got a number and uh some, some of the some of it actually all of it is is seriously cool and uh, so i have to pinch myself sometimes that actually we're, we're going to be taking this brand into its sort of its next phase and uh, yeah. developing a, a new generation of products off it um and the, the same with the technology as well we're, we're getting access to yeah. some some really really great technology and some of the companies we're we're working through um 
acquisition and partnership opportunities on. It's like, wow, we're we're going to be we're going to be punching well above our weight. Um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, so I look forward to sort of filling you in on on that uh, in a few months' time. Once uh, once we've we've got through the the um, the acquisition phases. Yeah, perfect. Well, moving away from sort of your career, then uh, you mentioned your wife being very supportive and kind of putting you in. Um, have you any kids? Have you the family plans sort of for the future? Yeah, um, no, no, no more kids. <laughs> um, so we, we've got two. My my daughter's just about to turn eight, and my son is ten. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, we we stopped at two. We thought that was a handful. So uh, yeah, my my wife has been super supportive. She put her career on hold to mm. sort of focus on the family and supporting me, so I can give everything to sort of to work um and, and push on on that and she she takes care of of home and, and the kids but uh yeah they've uh they, they followed me over to, to california yeah there was, there was no, no 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 hesitation um and uh yeah we, we've set up life here now which is um it's been absolutely fantastic it's um it's great from a work perspective and don't get me wrong there's a, a real hub over here and a lot of investment and a lot of exciting yeah. things going on here. Um, but yeah, as a, as a place for the, for the kids to grow up, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Oh, glad to see you very happy with your choice. And so bringing cars, bringing cars home, you, your kids showing an interest in so the odd, your car or whatnot. Yeah. My son's just starting to get it. Um, not as early as I did, but now he's, he's really starting to, to get his, his taste for cars and, um, keeps on at me. Wants me to take him to cars and coffee, yeah. and uh, yeah. What, what I'm pleased about is he's appreciating some of the, the older cars as well, not just the, the latest sort of Lamborghini, which is sort of what kids gravitate towards. But um, he'll, he'll sort of see uh, there's, there's tons of nice old 911s driving around here, oh, and he'll, 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 he'll spot one and say, "Ah, oh, I really like that that old um, 911 Targa or something." and so um, yeah, he, he's starting to get the taste for it as well, and starting to say, think that maybe he wants to go into the the automotive world if he if he doesn't become a pro soccer player. Yeah, soccer. I don't know what soccer is. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have to say soccer over here, otherwise people think you mean American football. So uh... Uh, no, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and so, if he does express a uh, sort of a fondness towards cars, what, how would you guide him down the career route? With if, if that's where he wanted to go, I think um, it's exploring what your passion is, and uh, the, the automotive industry is so vast, and there's so many different skill sets within it. Mm. Um, I think really want to. He's too young at the moment, but as we we get further down the line, really try and harness what what his passion is, and if it's more in, in the science, maybe he he would be um, uh, sort of steering down the, the route of. Um, electronics and yep. um whether that's sort of chemistry uh for, for sort of battery systems or, mm. or uh or, or more control systems if it's more the, the sort of the creative and into the design world yeah or it could be um like, like i did go down the, the mechanical route but i think it's yeah having a passion for cars is is, is great um but then it's what's the the real sort of passion within that? Is it the design? Is it the is it more uh, under the skin uh, sort of mechanicals and the the, the electrical 
and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see where where he gets to. And then yeah, my my, my daughter's sort of she, she's not really shown an interest in in cars yet. Uh, maybe she will, maybe she won't. She's a very girly girl. She's more about ballet and ponies at the moment. But who knows? We, we might we might convert her one day. <laughs> Just stick her <laughs> stick a wrench in her hand and see what she does with it. No, there we go. Yeah. I mean, so is there? I sort of don't like to talk get into the geeky car questions at the, at the end. So we're talking about um, a three car garage. If you had any, if money was no object, and you could have any three cars. What would you have? Oh God, that's a dilemma. It's um, age old question. I I know. Um, so I think I would probably have a Lotus Esprit. Nice V eight. Just still, I think one of the most stunning cars that James Bond ever existed. Well, yeah, there, there is that, but just even now, I, I think it just you see them on the road, they just look so great. A there'd have to be some flavour of Porsche 911 in there, <laughs> and it just depends whether it's my daily driver or or my uh, my, my passion car. But I'm going to say a a Singer Classic okay. um, 911. Yeah. Or um, yeah, reimagined by Singer, and then uh, an E30 M3 BMW. Yeah, <laughs> very good choice. And just out of interest, how would you have the Singer spec? Oh, there, there was one they did. I think it was called Monaco that um, I, I really, really love. It was in a, a very, very sort of dark navy um, with the. I think it was a tan. The town interior, um, it was something close to that, just uh, yeah, just real classic, cool. Well, perfect. And this might help you with the Porsche question is if you've got one car and one track or road, what are you taking and where are you going? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I guess 911 GT3, okay, down there. Down some of the Welsh mountain roads, I guess. Yeah, I mean, why not? I think it rivals some of the Californian. I've not been over there, I'm guessing. Must... Yeah, I've, I've not really had much opportunity to explore some of the roads over here. I did one, actually, um, called Stunt Road. That is That was pretty cool, um, which is uh, yeah, behind Malibu. Um, but yeah, there's some, some cool canyon roads, but they're, they're, uh, they're, they're still pretty big and wide. And... Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's something more challenging about those those, those, those twisty little roads. And the uh, casual shape that might go on the corner as well. So there is that. Exactly, <laughs> keeps on your toes. Brilliant. And, and the most important sort of like modification to the car, or the, you think the most important part of a car is? It's got to be the chassis setup. Everything from the, the sort of the kinematics to the the, sort of the, the, the damping. Yeah, that, that's what's connecting you to the to the road, despite the obvious that the tyres, but. I think there's there's so much, and I still think there's so many cars that, that get it wrong. But that so much out that driving experience, and you can still have fun in a car with with low power. Yeah. Um, if that chassis setup is is spot on, it's just an absolute hoot. You just get the feedback; it's predictable, um, and uh, yeah, I think that's the the most important thing beyond the, the sort of the power mm. and it's, it's it's clear Dan you're, you've got a, 
a very sort of clear plan for your plan for the future. But you're very happy where you are, and you're very excited in your current role. But what was was the best bit of advice you can give to a sort of a young petrol head or a car enthusiast about gaining a prosperous and fulfilling career in the um, space? I think the the best thing is understand where you want to go, and it will take time to get there. But get the right foundation, and I'm. I'm extremely impatient as a person and it's a, a trait I wish I didn't have. But one thing I wish I'd done more of and would encourage anyone to do is is really build that foundation and 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 the good stuff will come from that. So um, spending your time, learning your craft, getting the experience and learning from the experience of others around you mm. is absolutely invaluable um, for, for later in your career. And... Um, it's something I wish I'd done more of and uh, I wish I was more patient. But those, those formative years, I guess, in your, your 20s are so, so key yeah. um, to develop. And at the time, I don't think you fully appreciate it. Um, it's only when you sort of look back at the experiences, at the network you've developed, um, that you realise how valuable that is. Fantastic. I have to keep my ears pricked up and my head down then <laughs> going forward. But yeah, um, Dan, thanks so much for this. It's been a pleasure. You're uh, truly an inspiration. I think I've I've learned a lot oh, from thank you. To you for the past 45 minutes, but it's been a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much. I personally loved listening to Dan talk about his story. Um, when I go into these conversations, I always prepare to be amazed because after all, each human being is unique and their story even more so. Hopefully you found something in this episode that helped you with something you're you're struggling with a creative block, an idea for a project you're working on, or even the sound of working at Lotus has inspired you to look at the brands you love and figure out how you can make an impact there. Because after all, we want to take our talents and we want to take our creativity and we want to take our knowledge and apply it to the things we love. Because outside cars, I am quite into self-development and a couple of podcasts that I listen to are the High Performance Podcast with Jake Humphrey and Damien Hughes and the Diary of a CEO two perfect podcasts that I would recommend you guys listen to if you don't already. They will help you look at the world so much differently than you already do, opening up your ideas. And if you're willing to take the information in, it can make a massive impact to your life. And it's part of the reason I started this podcast because listening to that way of Ikigai being described, I was like, what do I love? I love cars. Uh, what do I like doing? I like talking, if believe it or not. And I think, well, what, how can I combine those two? And that's how the podcast came about. So a big thank you to Jake, Damien and Stephen for creating those brilliant podcasts. They've really helped me. And one of the things that listening to Dan speak about and when I speak about Lotus is Ikigai. And Ikigai is the process of finding something you love, something you can make money off, something you can provide and something that gives you purpose. And I feel like listening to Dan, he's found that because he's working with cars, he's exploring creativity, and it's giving him so much joy. It's a joy that I hope you get from listening to this podcast, because after all, this podcast is for you, and its purpose is to inspire and help everyone who listens. And maybe you know someone who would benefit from the story told today, or you feel like you need to just thank Dan for taking the time of his day to speak to me, and you feel free to tell his story openly and honestly. I hope I get to continue making these episodes and... To be honest, I won't stop because after all, this too is my passion and I can't wait to do more with it. So, with that being said, I'm Harry and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 
If you enjoyed today's or any of our other episodes, please share them with at least three people you know who are in the car trade, love cars, or just find them interesting. If we can get one more person to listen, that's one more person in my mission to help inspire people to do more with their passion for cars. 